What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Spiritual Gangsters Podcast. This is a show for all the people who keep it 100% real, who've been through life able to turn their pain into purpose, for people who've struggled with faith, yet keep asking questions and seeking the truth. It's a show for us to share our thoughts, experiences, and stories, and know that we're not alone. For all the OGs who see through the world's BS, this is The Spiritual Gangsters. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gangsters podcast. It's me, your Teresa, your host as usual, and we're back with a live today. I haven't done a live in forever, it feels. Um, so, yay, anyone who's watching Thanks for tuning in. Um, and yeah, I am obviously here with my co-host and great friend, the NY Patriot. Want to say what's up? What up? What up? What's going on? Not much. How are you? Very good. Very good. And I, I do. I do just want to remind people too. We are streaming out to Rumble as well on your platform. Oh, so, that's nice. Yeah, we Thanks. started doing that too. You're the tech wizard, so you know. I figured it might as well. I mean, why not? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I'm really excited for today's show. It's a little bit uh, different, I guess, because we have a guest, but we also are focusing on a specific topic. So I'm really happy to have on Mario of Symbolic Studies. Welcome to the show. Hey there. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How are you today? Oh, I'm solid. I'm excited to get into this. Uh, it's, It's an interesting subject. So thanks for prompting it. Of course. Yeah. And um, I'm having Mario on, obviously, because he's awesome, number one. And two, um, because I love your breakdowns of symbolism um, on your account, uh, Symbolic Studies on Instagram. And I'm sure you're in a bunch of other places if you want to tell people a little bit where they can find you and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, my project is called Symbolic Studies. I would say SymbolicStudies.com is probably the easiest thing for people to do if they want to find all my links. And if they're interested in tarot readings or anything like that, um, I am a tarot reader and I've been a graphic designer for 20 years that kind of led me into symbolism. So I've been studying, you know, icons and, and sigils and stuff for a really long time. So it was kind of a natural fit for me, actually, to really get into this sort of subject matter. When I started learning the tarot, it really blew my mind, you know, of just like what these sort of elements and um, symbols and iconography, like what it actually meant. So it was definitely love at first sight. Um, if people are interested in astrology, they might like my channel, my account, especially on uh, Instagram, I would say symbolic.studies, because I tend to follow each sign and put out content related to um, the sign that we're in. So like right now, I'm prepping for a presentation uh, later this week about the lion, and uh, it's going to be called the lion and the virgin. And there's actually a lot of very interesting symbolism, uh, kind of somewhat related to what we're going to be talking about today. I probably won't get into it that much, but the lion has always had this reverence or this endearment for the virgin. And so I'm going to unpack that for Leo season uh, on Friday. But yeah, check out my uh, YouTube channel too, Symbolic Studies. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I really enjoy your breakdowns. For me, like coming from a Christian background, like the tarot is very much like shrouded in mystery and intrigue. And it's like, ooh, should I not want to learn about this? Right. So what's like, what's your take on that? Like, if someone was to go to you like, oh, tarot is like evil or like, what's your interpretation on that? Yeah, sure. Uh, It's a good question. A lot of people to me. 
you know, (laughs) if there's anything evil, you know, I would say it's ignorance of self. Right. And so I would say it's like not doing your personal work. It's like not addressing your own shadows. It's like that's when real evil actually comes about. And that's when things really can kind of run amok, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I look at the cards and when I see the devil card, that's an aspect of self. You know, so I don't believe in an external devil. Um, It was either Chris Campbell or Jung or something like that. But it's like all of the gods and demons are within us. You know, so to me, the tarot system is basically a representation or an expression of that. And I would also say that all divination systems are basically like that as well. And so I'm just interested in in, uh, divination systems in general, I would say. So I've studied the I Ching. Um, I have a fondness for the runes as well. And I've I've used the runes and and have read a bit about them just over the years. And so I just am kind of a person where I'm just interested in all of these systems. I would refer to myself symbolically as like a syncretist. And so I want to know what's out there and I want to kind of compare the systems. I want to see, you know, how people saw things differently. And um, I just, I enjoy and it, it kind of appreciate the different cultures and, and how they see things. And divination in general, I mean, you can use anything and people have used so many different things, you know, uh, entrails, you know, or uh, birds flying over, over you, you know, you can create divination systems out of everything. Tea leaves, right. That's another popular example. And so, uh, cards and dice and, and things like that. Um, to me, there's all of these different systems out there and I just find it very curious to see what they associate with what kind of energetic quality. So when I see these systems, they're just basically trying to map out, I would say, the the various sort of like archetypes that exist mm-hmm. just in nature in general. Yeah. Right. And so and and we have all of that within us. So I personally don't think there's anything evil going on there. However, there are people who have created, as an example, tarot decks for very malefic purposes. Right. So one of the earliest tarot decks, it's an Italian deck. It's called the Solobusca. It is one of my favorite decks, um, but no doubt it was used for black magical purposes, right? So whoever commissioned it um, and what they were actually doing with it, I think, I don't, I'm not sure if anybody actually knows, but when you look at the artwork and, and kind of like tarot historians and stuff, when they've decoded what's going on in the deck, um, it makes a lot of sense that, you know, whoever created it or whoever was using it, definitely they were participating in, you know, the the black arts if you will so you can use it just like a tool you can use a knife for the most righteous of reasons or you know you can commit a crime so i kind of look at these systems kind of in that way too yeah i understand that and that's um in my research for the topic today so we're relating you didn't even say what it is we're relating um tarot with italian playing cards so if people have never heard of that it's just literally like a playing card deck like you would have, you know, playing whatever crazy eights, but Italian version. So we're talking about those. Cause one day I was looking at the cards that I have in my house. I've played with these since I was a kid, like common games would be like Briscola, Scopa, whatever. And I'm looking at it and I was like, these are like the major like suits of the tarot. Like the, there's um, the coins, denarii, there's bats or bastoni, there's swords, spade, and uh, what's the last one? Cups, cope. So those all correspond with like major things in tarot. And I was like, that's really interesting. So sorry, my kids are 
just playing up a storm in the <laughs> background. But um, anyways, that's what kind of sparked the idea for the show because I personally don't know a lot about tarot. So in researching for the show, uh, I came across some history of it. And I was like, actually, it seems that the beginnings of it was not occultly related, really, for tarot cards. Oh. It seems that that came about like much, much later. Right. It, from you know, one of the things I'll say is that um, there's different schools of thought with mm-hmm. everything, with the history here. Yeah. And so, um, and I'm open to kind of all of it, to be honest. And yeah. so that's kind of my syncretist sort of nature of just like, hey, well, what are people saying out there? And, you know, some stuff will be relevant to me. Some stuff I kind of put on the shelf or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I understand that a lot of people, they do think that that's, that's the case. My personal opinion, I was talking about uh, this before we started, is that I think a lot of um, gaming systems, especially gambling systems, actually started off as divination magical systems. So um, the history of the dice, as an example, goes way, way back, and it's related to this uh, magical system, divination system called geomancy. And so uh, people used to use dice to create these. Didn't it start with bones, actually? Yeah, tossing bones. exactly. One hundred percent. Yep, yep. I think it was uh, knuckle bones, if I'm not mistaken. What? Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, you actually were creating your geomantic figures by throwing bones or by throwing dice, and you can use anything. You can use pebbles. You can use stones. Same thing with the I Ching. You can use really, really simple things to create and build your your hexagram or trigram. And so um, I think a lot of games actually started off in a magical sort of way. And so when I uh, see like how people gamble today, you know, Mm -hmm. blackjack and like things like that, I'm like, I think that there's probably the case to be made that they actually started off as divination systems and then they got translated uh, over into games. And one of the things this kind of parallels, in my opinion, is what I've heard before. This is just another one of these things where people have put this out there. What's actually true and accurate, I'm not really sure. But people have put forward that they started off as a divination system and that some of these systems were actually banned by the church or banned by, you know, whoever was at the top of the hierarchy in their town or village or region or whatever. And so they translated some of these divination systems into a game so that if they were ever caught with these materials, that they could actually just say that we're just playing a game. We're not doing divination, spiritual sort of stuff. That makes sense. And so it's almost like a way to kind of like be cryptic with it is to kind of disguise it as a game. That makes so that's sense. just yeah. one opinion, you know. That's interesting. Yeah. I find too, like, just the idea of divination in general, it's kind of like a thing we naturally do. Like, I can even recall as a kid, you know, being like, mm, if I'm meant to do this, God, like, let this happen now. <laughs> you know, and you kind of yeah. like looking like always for signs or whatever. I used to do well, that constantly. I even think like, flipping a up. coin in a sense to heads or totally. tails. I mean, that's kind of. Yeah. Or even like, even when you are engaging in like gameplay, like card play or like a board game, video game, something like that. Sometimes, at least the way I play, I very much am like directing my energy like towards my end goal. Like, okay, I'm going to roll like a six or whatever. And then it happens because you're really like, you know, well, sometimes it doesn't happen. (laughs) But when you're really like focused on the outcome, it's almost like you're trying to pull some energy to help you out. You know what I mean? So it's like a natural 
kind of thing that we do, to be honest. Um, I think so, yeah. I, I think so, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's why people have done it from all over the world, and that's why there's endless ways to do it, I think. Yeah, and um, I will just say, like, a little note, you know, for some of my audience. Uh, it's, it's a wide variety of people that listen to the show. But some people who are Christian, if you're kind of, like, hesitant about this or whatever to, to entertain the idea of tarot, um, even in, like, the apocryphal works there was um even like how joseph met mary in um in other books like extra books of the bible they're not included in the bible that we generally use but there was a whole like things that they used to do like uh reading with like pendulums or like little um signs and wonders like joseph's staff turned in had flowers on it that's how she knew that she should marry him like all these things that we don't really we've lost like over time and they don't focus on these sort of like more aspects like divination or signs and wonders, this kind of thing. So it's interesting, you know, I just think it's all cool to learn about. So yeah. Same, same. Yeah, exactly. All I'm right there with you. Yeah. So we can get into a little bit of um, what I came across in terms of the history of the Italian cards. And it sort of like goes hand in hand with the history of tarot as well, I think. So, you know, feel free to interject guys and, interrupt me or whatever sure um okay so the first thing that i found uh was for sicilian playing cards specifically so when you look at um italian playing cards there's ones from all different regions so sicily is one it's like families um, that have their own decks <laughs> totally yeah and that's what we found like in our research right like a lot of the decks started because a certain family would like commission the deck or like for that region, like the symbols became popular because they, you know, um, tailored it to that specific region. So anyways. They were like the, the ballers of the area, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So common ones, common decks you might see are, um, I have some right here, like Sicilian ones or Napolitani deck. This is probably the most popular. Like when you see these cards, that's what you'll think of when you think like italian cards or whatever they have these um on t-shirts i used to do make my own t-shirts with designs from that, from that oh, deck. Cool. yeah um other decks are the trevignane deck piacentine stuff like that so there's all different regions that have their own like little spin on generally the same cards so anywho's the sicilian playing cards i learned originated in china and were adopted in egypt in the 14th century which is interesting. However, another source claims that there was a battle in 751 AD, the Battle of Talis, and Islamic forces captured two Chinese papermakers who then taught them how to make paper, and then that's how, like, you could print cards. Because without paper, you can't have cards, right? Interesting. But prior to that in China, it was a tile system. So kind of like we guess think of, like, What's that game? Is it Mahjong? Mahjong, yeah. Kind of yeah. like that. So they say that that's how, um, even prior to cards, it was on like hard surfaces like tiles or stone or whatever. Mm. Um, so apparently in this battle with Islamic forces, they stole the Chinese paper makers. They spilled the secrets on how to make the paper. And then from there, the knowledge traveled to the Iberian Peninsula of Spain, which is interesting, I thought. Um, and from Spain, of course, with trade routes and whatnot, it spread to Sicily and southern Italy. There's a heavy Spanish influence in Sicily, southern Italy, Malta, like all that 
um, Mediterranean region. And then they would adapt the decks for their culture. But generally, the four suits have remained the same. So the swords, the cups, the coins, and the clubs. Um, And like you touched on, Mario, cards were prohibited a lot of the time because it caused way too much ruckus associated with gambling, heavy drinking, a lot of violence. So the church, like, outlawed it, except during Christmas, Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I found like so odd. I'm like, it's not supposed to be like the holiest time of the year, but <laughs> right. they just let them go drunk crazy. Like, <laughs> right. Um, oh yeah. Do you want to bring up, should I bring up the pictures of what the cards actually look like? I guess. Right. Do you have any? Yeah, I do. I have, I have some old ones. Yeah. I was actually just bringing up the site. You were, I think you oh, got okay. this from. Awesome. Thank just you. Just to show, I, I just thought it was interesting how it does show the Italian ones. Here, and like you were saying, then on the bottom, it does actually show, like, the Spanish ones. Yeah. Interesting, uh, right? Um, actually, if you don't mind... And then I can pull up... The, I have some Visconti picks. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to bring up the regular ones first, so sure. people just get a sense of, like, what they just look like in general. One thing I do want to add, I, I know we're not getting into that, uh, but those mm-hmm. uh, older decks... Yes. You know, you're talking about people in paper. Um, prior yeah. to that, technically, I mean, in a sense, you were getting your own personal version because, like, they were painting them themselves or drawing them. Like, these were done by hand. Yes. And then sold or given or whatever, you know, so, like... Yeah. At first, the decks had to be painted by hand because we did not have a printing press yet. So that's really interesting, I <laughs> thought. Like, how much time and effort is going I into, know. like each deck of cards like that's intense then i was um, also expensive i also did think in in you know if if you're making those decks and like you know obviously like maybe the people buying them from you really don't know much about this stuff technically you could kind of give whoever you want whatever you want like mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean just because i painted this deck and gave it to this person who might live you know on over here somewhere mm-hmm. else, you know, that came to just get it from you, whatever, however it happened. But you understand what I'm saying? Like, you could actually give people full stuff because you're just like, oh, when I just make this, guys, I'm going to leave this little secret out or something. Yeah. You're you like, totally you could can. actually really dictate who's actually getting more of an authentic thing than, than not. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just me. Like, you know, maybe I'm just a piece of crap. And you could, that, yeah. But. I would imagine <laughs> if you were probably like some elite family, you might commission your own. Like with more detail or more accurate, yeah. you know, I'm always like thinking about the ninth gate. How like you needed all three of those books to get all of it ah. because there was, you know, purposely yeah. implanted shit in there, so you didn't know know everything. Mm. Yeah. Now, how do you know if somebody has to personally make every tarot deck? They would never do that. Well, and that's another interpretation of the history of it is because some sources say like playing cards in general and the tarot might have originated from the burning of the library of Alexandria that all this like ancient occulted knowledge was ruined. So then sages and wise people got together and made this system of representing the knowledge in these metaphorical images. And that was a way to preserve the knowledge post destruction of the library. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I I have a, Something that I want to share in a book after we check out these images about sure. um, 
one of the potential links with the tarot too in, in ancient Egypt and a lot of these engravings um, that you see. Uh, apparently there's a, an engraving. It's called the, the Bembaim Tablet of Isis. And you have all of these small little scenes next to each other. And uh, people have said that that's actually, uh, it was a tarot deck, essentially, that they're showing you literally, you know, the cards kind of in a way, but just these different scenes and that they were later adapted to the cards. I think it's very interesting that you say uh, the whole history of it, too, by going to Egypt in, in the 1400s or 14th century. Yeah. Because then in the 15th century, that's when you see the the most popular, like, original tarot decks. That's when we see them crop up. And as I mentioned earlier, they're all Italian. <laughs> and so that's very, very interesting. The, the Visconti, yes. yeah, the Visconti, the Solabusca, and the Marseille. Okay. Right? My understanding is that those three decks, it's really hard to determine which one came first. But what we do know is that they are all Italian. So very, very Italians, interesting. Italians, you know what's up? No, okay. <laughs> okay, so just to give people an idea of what these cards look like, if you've never seen them. So this is the suit of swords, Spade. So on the left is the ace which looks very serpentine to me, <laughs> the three, and that is called the Cavallo, so the horse guy, <laughs> uh, or the Jack, I guess, would be like the equivalent. Um, in the Italian deck of cards, there's 40 cards, so 10 each uh, suit. So there's a number, like ace all the way to seven, and then eight, nine, 10 are face cards. So the Cavallo is like a, is a nine. Right, right. Uh, mm -hmm. Just real quick, uh, want to mention the fact that the swords mm -hmm. and then the the platform that the man is on, uh, it's blue. And I just did a stream maybe a month or two ago about the Spanish tarot tradition. And it's interesting that you say that there was that influence, which makes a ton of sense. Yep. But they actually associate swords normally in today's you know world most people myself included i would say the sword is symbolic of of air which is the mind right um here by painting it blue and by having that blue platform i think a water and under the spanish tradition they actually associate sword symbolism with a lot of water symbolism so I'm kind of seeing that overlap because they would make their uh, swords blue and then there's like oceanic stuff going on with some of the sword cards. So I'm wondering um, if they're kind of making that elemental correspondence, if it's a little different than what I'm you know, typically used to. Is it yeah. more so associated with air here or is it more so associated with water? I can kind of see the case for both maybe. I yeah, could, that's could, really cool. I could see in an alchemical sense how air and water could be very... Uh easily linked as well 100 i mean just exactly. just the way how we get rain and cloud i mean that's water just changing itself you know mm -hmm. evaporating into air and then condensing and falling back down so i mean you see that you constantly it. being done on its well not on its own whatever program it's does natural it yeah natural, uh, <laughs> whatever natural yeah. program that's running the matrix to do that <laughs> the programmer wills itself yeah. so it happens all right, cool. Um, okay, and this is cups, copa. So we have the ace on the left again, the three, and the cavallo. I included the cavallo for most for them because it's the most interesting looking. Like the king is just standing there, and then there's the other uh, character of the face card is called the donna or the woman, but it doesn't look like a woman. It's like a tranny. Like I swear to God. it's like could be either gender. So it's mm. uh, also sometimes called the knave. So it's almost like, um, what's that word uh, that knights had? Like their helper. Jester? 
No. Oh, oh yeah. Pre- not Apprentice. Oh, those dudes in uh, Monty Python that were banging yeah, the, the things Yeah, they, like, together. helped the knight. That's how I think <laughs> of, like, the, the door knights. Like, I know what you're talking about, yeah. The knight, who's the Cavallo, and then they assist the king. That's how I think of the deck. Anyways, so in this one, the Cavallo's standing on red. I don't know if that means anything to you, Mario, but... Yeah, well, it's just interesting. You would, most people today would associate the cup. Obviously, it holds water. It's related to the heart. And so arguably, red makes sense because of the heart-blood connection, you know. But uh, I think most people today would probably associate it with blue because of the water-liquid sort of emotional thing. When I think of the emotions, I always, I've said this many times before, but... You have the word emotion, you remove the E, you have motion, you remove the M, and phonetically you actually have ocean. So ocean, motion, emotion, all of these concepts are completely related to each other. So the fact that they're relating it to red, obviously it implies warmth. So um, I just think it's kind of a curious thing that they decided to kind of go this way, given the fact that they also did a similar sort of, not a switcheroo necessarily, but they uh, associated the uh, the color of the sword with blue and water all of the colors and and the elemental correspondence of the actual like symbol that it, it um, is connected to they're all kind of like shifted just a little bit so it actually gets my mind going and thinking like I'm wondering the people who made the system what they would say about it mm-hmm. you know why red yeah unless maybe for wine drinking wine oh there you cups. go too that's perfect yeah, yeah nice that. I like that well, and to be associated maybe with like you were saying with the heart. Mm-hmm. I, I like what you said about the relationship between those two, uh, Mario, because I, even what you just said right now isn't, isn't anything I've even thought about, and it's a, a perfect example how you said, like, the heart and the blood are connected. Um, you know, even in the Kabbalah, Venus or uh, Netzach would be green, and that would be the seventh sphere. And then across from it, on the other side would be uh, Gaborah, and that is red. They do share mm-hmm. a relationship because when you make talismans for these things, if you're making a Netzach one, a green one, your flesh and color will be red because it has a relationship with Gaborah. And vice versa, if you're making a Gaborah talisman, you'll use red and the flesh and color will be green because there's a connection. And I think that right there, what you just said is like a totally other way I've never thought of. And mm-hmm. I do think maybe, again, like that could be shown here. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Nice. All right. So moving on to Denari, or as I grew up knowing it as the suns, because in the Napolitani mm. deck, the coins have suns in the circles. So I used to just call it the suns, but it's actually called Denari. So like coins, like money. Sorry, my kids. Anyways. Um, and to me, this was always the most intriguing suit growing up because look at that ace. Like, come on. It's got the right. double headed eagle or phoenix. It's so like Roman looking. Um, and then you got the three and the Cavallo again, this time he's standing on gold or yellow. Um, now that I know more about symbols, of course, the double-headed eagle to me is like so interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't yeah. Know what, what you guys see when you see those. No, this is another interesting example. When I was checking out the cards that you had sent over, I'm like, oh, that's kind of a curious switch. And I love this stuff. I live for this kind of stuff, you know, of just like, huh, what was the rhyme and reason behind this? Because as an example, today, 
Um, you're going to see most coins or pentacles or discs with a five-pointed star on it. Definitely emblematic of Venus. Venus in the night sky over the course of eight years from the perspective of Earth creates a five-pointed star. It's known as the Venus Rose or the Venus Pentagram. So Venus rules two different um, two different signs. It rules Libra, which is an air sign, but it also rules Taurus, which is an earth sign. And when you're talking about the pentacles, you're talking about physicality. You're talking about material resources. You're talking about literally the terrain underneath your feet, but you're also talking about the terrain that is your body, right? There's a relationship with your body and the earth. And so when I think of pentacles, I generally think of earth symbolism, which is interesting here that they show the sun because in, in my opinion, basically, we live in a solar tradition in today's modern world, whereas a lot of people back in the day, they, they believed in a more Earth-centric, geocentric kind of uh, tradition. And so in a way, the Earth and the Sun, I'm not saying that they're completely at odds with each other, but it's almost like two different traditions, an Earth-centric tradition, which I refer to as the polar tradition, and then also the... Um, uh, the solar tradition. So even polar and solar, uh, noticing how close those words are to each other. But on the other hand, it makes perfect sense that there would be suns on here too, because it implies gold. Right. And so it's just like, if you wanted, if, you know, of any coin out there, you know, would you rather have a copper coin, a silver coin or a gold coin? Yeah. Obviously gold is King. And so as in terms of monetary, value and you know things like that i think the sun uh, makes a lot of sense um and then also just given the yellow of the base and everything else i can't not think of like wheat you know a golden field of wheat right yeah. and, and this harvest sort of idea and the value of that and everything else so very very interesting i i, I like this uh sort of thing that they're kind of playing with here with all of this stuff and um Venus is associated with number seven right no. Um, I, I could see the case for that. Candy. I'm just curious because in one of the one of the common Italian card games, Briscola, or Brisk as some people might know it, um, this card, the Seven of Suns, so it's just like got seven, so seven of suns, seven of coins or whatever, it's worth a lot of points on its own. And that's like the only mm. numerical card that's worth points. Really? Yeah. Otherwise, it's oh. aces threes and then the face cards and then just this one particular one so it's like why why the seven of sons it's called the sette bello the beautiful wow. the beautiful seven Be that's fucking cool that's very very interesting um, right yeah so i mean when you're talking about suns you're talking about stars and so you could easily just say the seven stars and so the pleiades the seven sisters um that's yeah. a, a you know that's an asterism within taurus which is ruled by venus and a lot of the symbolism with the Pleiades, um, man, it overlaps so nicely with the symbolism that I like to talk about quite a bit uh, with Ursa Major, the seven stars of Ursa Major, which is in the northern sky. And then also you can't not bring up the fact that we have seven wandering stars, which are the planets right. as well. That's right. Yeah. That's so it's very, you, very curious. Have you ever heard of the Voynich manuscript? I have, yeah. Have you ever taken a look at it? I have, yeah. <laughs> I haven't, uh, I haven't like spent too much time with it, but I mean, it's a fascinating creation. Yeah, the Seven Sisters. Yes. I you see that quite often. I think yeah. you see a lot of. Oh, like, really? A lot of the females. It's in sevens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's something I would write actually a future project that I would like to cover one day. So. 
Yeah, Very that's cool. been on that's yeah. been on the list for like a year now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I really do think it'd actually be a really interesting one because I, I do think some of the stuff in there, like when they talk about like, oh, these might be plants, but like they don't kind of like look right. It's because mm-hmm. I do actually think it's like inside of us. I don't think it's plants. <laughs> mm. Again, going back to the eyes and the brain. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> and nerves. Also, um, a random note for people, that little stamp on the ace, uh, that thing there, apparently that started with playing cards in general to show that you paid tax on the deck. Oh, what? And that's why, like, so when you paid your duty, you got a stamp, and then you're good to go. Because it's like gambling, right? Like, they want the government wanted to, like make money on this stuff it was so popular um so now they just keep the stamp um as a style like to stylize the deck that's usually on on one of the aces yeah i mean um the fact that it's on the ace of coins or pentacles or whatever that is like the most perfect card you can it it makes it seem like it's the most important one in the deck to me like right yeah you know i thought it was pretty cool i like that detail yeah and then this is the bastoni or the bats. So to me, growing up, they always look like paisleys. <laughs> That's what I always thought of it. So we've got, of course, the ace, the three with the weird face in the middle, mm. and the cavallo standing on green this time. Right, mm-hmm. right. Can you go back so you, one well, when you guys are done? Can you just go back one? Yeah. Sorry, sorry to you interrupt. To the yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, I just yeah, wanted to show you something quick. And like you should probably even remember this from doing the I series with us. Even looking at that thing that's on the bottom inside that bottom circle on that ace card, um, there's three different twists to your uh, pupil in size changes. Mm. You know, and I have often said that it, you know going by your eye screwing closed, it's very much like a shutter or even just a pulley that's constantly spinning. And it's just interesting to me how there's like three in the middle, and then there's three actually making that triangle. Oh, yeah, look at that. So I, you know, and even thinking about like how some like zodiac signs or even, you know, you take that and then you take the, the infinity sign or the, the eight, however you want to look at it, you know, that is actually doing like, you know, now changing it from yoke to unyoked and stuff like that. But I do think that might actually be involved in these symbols. That's interesting. Mm. You know, especially yeah. when you get that one middle that's the black one. It's your pupil. Yeah, I was, I was gonna yeah, comment no. on that. That was almost like the pupil, right? Yeah. Oh, I think it's mind. interesting since we're here again. It's like, why would the disc or the coin in the ace not be shown as well, right? Yeah, it's why like, is it empty? Why is it empty? Yo, I never thought of that before. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> kind of strange. Very strange, uh, yes. That but is there odd. must be a really good rhyme and reason behind all this stuff, I would say. <laughs> Yeah. They ran out of ink. Oh, I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's not be too expensive. To yeah, we got to cut costs. <laughs> like, we'll just leave it and uh, we'll put the stamp there. They're going to have purple in there. That's too expensive back then. Yeah, yeah, no, no, we can't have purple. All right. So, yeah, back to the bastoni. I did not look up what the face means, but it reminds me a little bit of the Sicilian symbol, the Trinacria. I think it's called where it's like the Medusa face. And then there's like the three legs. Oh yeah. Around her head. Kind of reminded me of that a little bit. I don't know. If oh, that's interesting. You say that there is a uh, leg correspondence, I would say with uh, the wand pretty much. Um, okay. And so uh, for a few different reasons, uh, but I, I think that it's 
once again kind of curious that they decided to associate the uh, baton or or wand with uh, green. Generally, I would say, you know, most people associate it with fire. And so, you know, the red would be appropriate, the yellow would be appropriate. But this green business, um, it feels more, I guess, kind of mercurial in a way. And, and Mercury always holds kind of like Caduceus. Mm-hmm. Um, he's associated with the phallus as well. Mercury is. He's associated with the pole and a bunch of stuff like that. So whenever I see green, um, I, I tend to think of that. And then because of that, too, this figure in the middle and because of the the leaves right that are kind of uh, above his head definitely just reminds me of like kind of like a he's not himself green but of like the green man or like this nature man or this nature spirit sort of thing like that is kind of what comes to mind yeah for me a little bit i, I get that totally that's what i thought yeah. too it reminded me of that type of idea that the green man yeah 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 almost definitely. like a, a pan type of figure kind of maybe uh, uh i would say yeah pan totally related yeah yeah interesting in some other decks i noticed the bats or sticks it looks almost like a like a fascist bundle more so yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and not so much like these kind of like um rounded ones some of them are more like literally stick like like a bundled stick so Uh, that was interesting especially given totally given the double-headed eagle symbolism and whatnot and we're dealing with italy of course so I thought. Oh, yeah. That was interesting. That's, yeah, that's actually a good pickup. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, yeah, that's all we had for the suits. Yeah, that's the. Oh, you know what? Even if you go back, go. I'm so sorry. I just saw it now before. uh, That middle, this might be a little bit of a stretch, but that middle card again with that guy, that that even almost reminds me a little bit of. um, I think it's in an Elvis Levi book where there's like some guy who's got his arms like kind of like that, and then the reflection is underneath him. Yeah, it's... Uh, oh, yeah, it's, like, mirrored, right? Yeah, yeah, it almost yeah. kind of does remind me of that because I guess the overall shape with another face in the middle, that's kind of, you know, basically two triangles in a face. I can see that. Yeah. It's cool. I'm um, just trying to go through my other pictures. Oh, we can get to that in a second. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, just a couple other, like, little tidbits of info I found on Italian playing cards. Um, so, orphanages... When people would sometimes bring a baby to abandon it to an orphanage, they would take a playing card and rip it in half and leave half of the card like with the baby when they leave it. So that if they ever were able to like care for their baby in the future, they would bring their half of the card to match it. So they would know like this is my child and I'm their parent. Oh, wow. And like match the exact rip. Wow, that's that that's crazy? really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like kind of sad. It's oh. like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So people, and then like the people at the orphanage would know to like file the card away and keep it with like wow. that specific child. Yeah, very interesting. Um, and yeah, I touched on the the tax thing, the duty stamp. Also, fun fact: the company Nintendo, we all know and love Nintendo. Yes. So they started as a card supplier company to the Yakuza crime family in Japan. That's right. Yeah, exactly. What? I was (laughs) like, holy shit. So they do like these really ornate, like again, hand painted, super artistic cards just for the Yakuza's and that was it. And again, like keep stuff like underground, like gambling, like a secret, like all this stuff. Yeah. Very interesting. 
Totally, totally. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, where do we want to go next? Oh, maybe we'll talk about the um, the Milan thing. What should we do that? And why? Sure. This one. Okay, so like Mary, you were saying, some of the like super important or significant decks seem to be Italian. Oh yeah. <laughs> right? right. So one that I came across um was the Visconti Sforza deck. So that was, I believe, from the 1440s. Um, and the Visconti's family is from Milan, super prominent, very wealthy, influential family. I was like, are they black nobility? I cannot confirm or deny that for sure, but maybe regardless, they were very influential. Uh, so they commissioned this deck that was hand painted and, um, customized for them. So then I just was like, oh, who's the Visconti family? Like, that's interesting. So I found this is their coat of arms. So it, it, excuse me, it's a snake or beast eating a child. That's their coat of arms emblem. Yep. Yep. And their family, sorry, (laughs) their family motto is I will not violate the customs of the serpent. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. I was like, yo, what? You guys got some covenant or what? (laughs) (laughs) You know what's weird? This really matches what branch was talking about last night this little thing that we're looking at this coat of arms remember he's talking about how they in the stars how he was describing how <clears throat> jupiter was birthed out of that female and there was a dragon chasing it oh, yeah. and jupiter was supposed to be like the, the born child and there's this dragon chasing it in the sky I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of almost, go, I mean, it's just, you know, now got half of it in its mouth. Yeah. I but mean, I mean, it's very I, much like what he was talking about with uh, the stars. Yesterday. Yeah, it could totally go with that. It made me think when I first saw it, I just was thinking of child sacrifice and like Canaanites and tribe of Dan. Like that's where my mind like went like right away. I was like, <laughs> um, because I've seen this symbol before, not knowing where it came from. So um, on, if you guys know the car company, Alfa Romeo, it's, yeah, it's their logo. Um, it's the emblem for the city of Milan, I believe, because the Visconti family was so prominent for so long. It was like a dynasty that the city just adopted it as their emblem from there on out, even after their power kind of dwindled. And then the Sforzas came into power next. Right, right. And yeah. you actually, you do see this emblem. I think it's very curious. You see this emblem in, uh, in a classic tarot deck. And I believe it's another Italian deck. It's called the Tarot Neoclassico. And you see it on a crest on the tower card, on the actual tower itself, on the blasted tower that's kind of coming down. It's really small, but if you look for it, you can can see it. And so so there might be a tradition here, um, I guess, relating this emblem or, or this family to the tower, which is really interesting because the tower, tower symbolism to me, it's really all about connecting the above and the below, just like the Tower of Babel, right? So you're like building a tower to the heavens. And so um, you're trying to get closer to God or you're trying to get closer to, the, to heaven, right? Yeah. And so um, I don't know. I just think of all of the different. Yeah, it very much looks exactly like that, except on the tower itself. Yeah. So of all the cards that it could be associated with, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of an interesting one. Right. Very odd, I thought. Um, the symbol itself, it's called the Biscione. Um, so that just means big grass serpent. Mm. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. 
Um, I just found it really odd. I'm like, why that family? And why is that their motto and their coat of arms? Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Super odd. Um, what else can we say about that deck? Oh, so the deck was um, made by an artist named Bonifacio Bem- Bembo, who was a fresco artist. Uh, so they hired him to do the artwork. Um, the deck had 11 trump cards, six court cards, and three virtue cards, which were faith, hope, and charity. Um, mm. Another common um, game that people would play with tarot cards back then was uh, Triumphy. So with trump cards, which I found odd, you know, relating to Donald Trump. I don't know if people remember, sorry, I didn't get a picture of it, but there was that Time Magazine cover with Trump and Trump cards, or tarot cards, sorry, in 2017. I I remember that. Yes. You can just Google it real quick if you want. Um, So yeah, this particular deck, the Visconti deck, had gilded decorations, allegorical paintings, such as Death, The Hanged Man, The Tower, the game apparently, so this is how, like, I guess tarot morphed in Italy. The game became known as Tarut in southern France first, and then morphed into the word tarot. And then the source that I was looking at, this one particular source, says there was no occult meaning till much later in 1773 when a Protestant priest, actually, Antoine Court du Gébelin, he uh, insisted that the cards came from Toth himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, that the Egyptian root word was Ra and Ta, which means like wisdom and road. Mm-hmm. So, Interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, even uh, Crowley's tarot deck, it's called the Book of, of Thoth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's a hermetic system, makes, makes a ton of sense. Um, right. The other thing I was going to say regarding the Visconti deck, right, uh, with mm-hmm. this family here, the original deck... Um, I believe there was only two cards missing. And so all of the reprints are from the original deck, but they had to replace two cards. One of them was actually the devil card. So the original devil card has never, ever, ever been seen. But different companies over the years have created their own version of what they imagined the devil to actually look like. And so people have speculated or wondered why is that card of all the cards missing. And so um, the idea potentially is that either somebody was using it for ritualistic purposes. Maybe it stayed on their altar. Maybe they burned it, you know, so either they had a reverence for the devil and they were working with it, or they actually uh, perhaps were afraid of it or something along those lines and got rid of it. But it's a, it's a mysterious sort of thing. What happened to that original devil card? Interesting. What was the other one that was missing? Do you know? Uh, I think it's like the something like the three of coins or something like that, or eight of coins or something. Gotta I can't a remember. Coin, a coin card, of course. Those yeah. sun, suns and denaries. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And then um, I think another uh, tidbit about tarot history. Some sources were saying that the cards sort of traveled from Egypt to Europe through gypsies and that the word gypsy actually comes from the word Egypt. Ah, nice. I did not know that before. I was like, that's news to me. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I knew that either. No. But since you just brought it up, do you mind if I show you guys the um, tablet of ISIS real quick? Sure. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, let me take this down. Unless uh, we we could talk about this since it's on the screen. All right, yeah, I just was going to show there's three other crests before we even get to the card. So I'll I'll just show these real quick. These are all the ones that I found uh, just for like the family crest as well. Just different versions. 
I don't know what makes them change, like why uses different versions. But. So I think this one, I don't know if you were going to say this, uh, NY, sorry, no uh, yeah. is the Sforza crest. Because I believe the Sforza family has Germanic heritage, and that's why they added the uh, the eagle, gotcha. the imperial eagle, and then made it like one. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. There we go. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. All right. So this is um, Manly P. Hall's Secret nice. Teachings right here. Mm-hmm. Classic book. Lots of interesting information. And uh, I was kind of, I was just very, very um, pleased to see his example here of what he says the original tarot is, or one of, perhaps, right? I'm sure they got it somewhere else. Uh, but he includes a foldout. And this is known as the Bembine table, table, excuse me, tablet or table of Isis right here. And maybe I can get a little closer for you guys. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's and so in the caption down below, he basically says that all of these little scenes essentially equate to one tarot card. And so you can see all of the energetic sort of uh, expressions of the tarot in that table. So he says that this is one of the earliest uh, tarot systems, I guess. Very interesting. Wow. So for what that's worth. Whew. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right. Amazing. And then also, uh, just because we've talked about the suits as well, mm-hmm. quite a bit, just wanted to show people that this is kind of like the traditional sort of correspondence here. Let's see. Okay, there you go. So English, French, Italian, Spanish, and then Swiss, German, and then German. So you see that the hearts line up with the cups, line up with the roses, the diamonds line up with the coins, the bells down below, the clubs line up with uh, obviously the clubs, but then down below the acorns and then the spades line up with the swords and uh, down below the shield and then also the leaves. Hmm. So different ways of explaining the four main elements, right? Air, water, fire, earth. And then the fifth element would be spirit. And what I would say regarding spirit is that in most tarot decks, the major arcana is the most potent expression of spirit in the whole entire deck. And so that's the path of the fool. So that's from the fool to the universe card. There's generally 22 cards. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. There's lots of different uh, theories about where that alphabet came from <coughs> and what it signifies and represents and everything else. But the deck that we're talking about today does not have a major arcana. And it also does not have a, a queen, right? And so um, that's kind of interesting. Uh, didn't you say that uh, the, the three court cards, um, when I was looking at them, none, none of them are obviously like clearly definitively female, right? Uh, no, they're mostly look male to me. Even right. the, the Donna, to me, it looks like a dude. Or it could be like a young boy. A page. That's the word I was thinking of before. Page. There page. you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so to me, what that means is that this system that we're talking about today, um, there is a distinct lack of the feminine. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion. And so there's no major arcana, which relates to spirit ether. And I would say personally, uh, the feminine, I look at the mysteries just in general. And I think that there's a, um, a strong feminine sort of goddess quality to that. And, um, you don't have it here. It's not present in the system. So it kind of lends itself actually to be used more like a, uh, a gaming system, than it would a uh, an actual divinatory system. Although you can do divination, like I was saying earlier, with basically anything. So you can actually do divination with a normal playing card set, right? And so some people refer to that system if you want, if people want to learn more about it as the cards of destiny. And so that's one sort of way of looking at it. But just wanted to acknowledge that it's it's missing, um, you know, the major arcana. And so that's kind of a, a, a big thing, depending on how you look at it. But it lines it up more so with being used to play um, these card games with. That's interesting. Uh, Anwar, do you want to show some, some of the of pictures the you found? Yes. Yeah, of like the older cards. Awesome, yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, pull them up now. Oh, wow. Yeah, and these were like, I think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure these are like the case that I was talking about, where these were like done by hand, you know, like... You would get different versions, I guess, obviously, you know. Yeah, I guess, like, no two card would, would be the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. Well, then, right? yeah, they would all be very, uh, yeah. This was, uh, oh, wow. death, death. Death. Yeah. Yeah, I love that uh, this death card has a bow and arrow, which mm-hmm. is really interesting because death generally corresponds with Scorpio, which has its stinger, right? And there is a symbolic relationship between the stinger of Scorpio and the um, the tip of the arrow of Sagittarius. And so Sagittarius is right after Scorpio. And um, sometimes Sagittarius is actually pulling back uh, the arrow and it's pointing right at the stinger. And so um, there's just this really, really interesting thread between archery, Sagittarius, Scorpio, whatever, but this is like one of the only death cards that I've seen that actually makes use of, of the bow. Usually he's holding a scythe. Yeah. 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 Mm, yeah. Interesting. Oh. Makes me like, think of like maybe something to do with like the archer too. And the archer is associated with a bow. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. These are just, uh, nice. The old ones. interesting and then we have more uh female presence there with some of those cards mm-hmm. right right mm-hmm. dude's like what is that yeah like it's oh. coming out of his head or yeah <laughs> he's got horns Dang. yeah he's got horns like that looks like a lady Unfortunately, it just looks bad. I believe so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so small. Yeah, I think those are feathers. Oh, oh yeah. Crown of yeah, feathers. Yeah, which makes sense. The fool generally is associated with air symbolism. And so um, that's implied with the feathers, I would say. I'm trying to think, is the fool... Uh, it, might be, oh, it might be the Magus card on the Toth deck. Remember you said uh, that it, was like, if it looked like feathers to you, possibly? Peacock feathers, maybe. Hmm. Oh no, I'm um, thinking the hermit. I'm sorry, it was the hermit card that had that with the tongue, and it looks like possible like hair or feathers. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was confused. Sorry. A lot of these older full cards, by the way, it's really interesting. Just go back if you don't mind for yeah, a second. Sure. 
they they uh, are wearing like they're sometimes seen in their underwear and sometimes it's like falling off of them. And then even uh, I've noticed this like saggy sock thing, right? It's like he has two socks, but they're like falling off of him too. He's got like and a so, diaper. He's like a toddler. Yeah. He's just got droopy socks, a droopy diaper. Yeah, What's yeah. going on? Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, yeah. it's just that's something I, I thought I would point out. But that that's something that you're going to see in multiple older uh, tarot decks like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And nice. That's, uh, oh, added, yeah. that's it that I got for those. Do you know what around what year those were from and why? Like 14th uh, century, probably. Some Same of the way. older ones, like the ones that I showed at the beginning, were uh, definitely from uh, like yeah, the older ones in the 1400s. Look like very. But the, some of these vibe. other ones were <laughs> decks made by them, but like uh, different versions, but mm. still the Visconti deck. So some of them are not as old as the others, but they're old. Yeah. That is interesting. Well, thank you for finding those images. I also learned in my research for this that um, some people do use the regular Italian playing cards for tarot or divination themselves, which I thought was interesting. So I found a few like basic meanings. So like Ace of Cups apparently has to do with the house, home and stability Current events, physical buildings like your physical house, home or work, family, harmony, sincerity, and cheerfulness. The Three of Swords has to do with travel, leaving someone or something, divorce or end of a relationship or resolutions. Could Mm. also have to do with deception, betrayal, uh, slander, the evil eye, or spells used against you. Also insults, falsehoods, and cheating. The Ace of Coins, so got the sun, double-headed eagle guy, uh, obviously to do with the sun. The Apex of Happiness, Maximum Attainability, Bringer of Love, Luck, and Success, um, and of course relates to the pentacles in uh, tarot. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. That's all I could find on um, what people would interpret the cards as. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. Actually, I think I want to grab a deck, honestly. Um, sure. One of these. I, I don't I don't have one, you know, and you're you're introducing it to me, but uh, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks for that. And why? Uh... Yeah. With just some other ones, too, that I can throw up on the screen. From the deck that you're Once again, the pentacle is missing from that ace. Right. OK, so I have a deck here. This is the Piacentine deck and it has the circle is filled. Oh, OK. Single eagle with a crown on it. Right, right. Yeah, interesting. Gotcha. Yeah, so they're definitely associating it more so with fire. Um, yeah. Eagle generally, that's its correspondence. I would say most. And of the time. Uh, like in the chat, we have Lisa who's saying uh, it reminds her of Quetzalcoatl, and I was like, "Yep, <laughs> mm-hmm. very much Quetzalcoatl vibes." <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so those are different. That looks the Sicilian deck, I think. Uh, those ones, yeah. So there, so the uh, the middle row there in this picture, that's the donna, the the page or the woman or the knave. Mm. So to me, I don't know, it doesn't look very feminine to me. It's very like ambiguous. No, no, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Androgynous, maybe. Yes, very androgynous, exactly. 
Yeah, that's the ace in the Sicilian deck. Gotcha. Yeah. So no, I'm noticing too that the the king, I guess the so how the court card system works. If you don't mind, uh, just pulling up the one where it has a handful of them, sure, the rows yeah. and columns of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the uh, it, it's kind of a thing that I notice and I pay attention to, right, with the court card system. So generally, the way the court cards work in most decks, you're or? going to have. Yeah, that 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 one works. Okay, or is this one better? Sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. Maybe that one and just zoom in if you want to zoom into the right, uh, the, the cards on, on the, the right. kings, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So what you're doing with the court card system, so most of the time it's going to be page, knight, queen, king. And the simplest way I can explain it is that you're going from least experience to most experience, right? Mm-hmm. Least amount of power to most amount of power. That's like the general sort of framework. Although the more I study and the more I just come to my own conclusions about things, I actually think that the queen is actually the most powerful one. And that um, I think that the whole system revolves around the queen. And so to me, it kind of reminds me of a beehive in a way, you know, where it's like the queen bee, she's at the top of the hierarchy, but she has these other bees that do a lot of work for her. They go out and they come back with this, that, and the other thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting. What I pay attention to is whether or not the king or queen, if there is a queen uh, in the system, whether or not uh, they're throned, because the concept of a throne is actually very, very feminine. It implies a domestic sort of thing. It's like staying still, but the power of the queen or the power of woman is that they're so magnetic that they can get shit done from the confines of the home. You know, they have other people doing shit for them. So it's, it's, it's you know, this is traditional symbolism, right? But like it's uh, traditionally people look at the man as being the person that goes out and gets the bacon and brings it home, right? That he's going to go out and travel. He's going to conquest or he's going to do all of these things. And the woman stays behind. And this is the most important role. So it's not diminishing it by any means. Takes care of the family, takes care of the home, you know, is domestic in nature, all that kind of stuff. So when you see a king actually sitting on the throne, my personal opinion is now is that he's actually emulating the queen, that the original royal figure that should be throned is actually the queen itself. And so when a king is sitting on a throne like that, he's actually paying respect and he's actually kind of paying homage to the role of the queen. And you'll notice, actually, there's some tarot decks where they show a king sitting on a throne and he's very effeminate, mm, right? Especially yeah. the older decks, the further back you go, you look at some of these kings on the throne, man, they almost look androgynous, honestly, but it's the emperor as an example. So here, what you're seeing, though, is that the king is actually standing, which to me is a little bit more masculine. And I actually I really like the way Crowley did it, that the knight is actually on horseback, right? Because it implies this traveling sort of thing and and getting out there. And I also think that there's something to be said, too, just about how our sex organs function, you know. And so it's like the sperm leaves the confines of man and goes out, you know, and inseminates this egg. So it's like men are kind of travelers that way woman you know she has eggs within her and then she's the one who gets pregnant and actually stays with the baby for nine months etc so the symbolism kind of matches up where man is more projective more of a traveler gets out there woman is more receptive and is more domestic so this kind of to me the fact that the king is actually standing it's a little bit more masculine um 
which kind of just goes back to my point earlier about how there's like a distinct lack of feminine sort of energy, I think, with this system. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much all I wanted to say. Yeah, well, I definitely so, can food, see food that. Food for thought. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Well, and that kind of maybe goes with the idea of, like I was saying before, maybe not in, in this deck in particular, but some of the uh, bats, bastoni, the sticks, they look almost like uh, like bundles. Yes, so again, going yeah. back to this like fascist system, very beast-like, very masculine, very orderly, um, it's reflective of that, I think, perhaps. Mm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, man, I like that. So there's a horse facing the other way. Oh, uh, yeah. That's oh, kind of curious. Yeah, yeah, those ones are facing away from the huh. foreground. Right. That is interesting. I never noticed that before. Or even, too, I like the little detail here with uh, the base down below in the bottom row. The uh, the baton base, it, it's circular uh -huh. instead of it being kind of like a rectangle, too. Oh, yeah. Look at that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I wonder why there's those subtle differences. Right, right. Or even, too, just noticing as well with the horses up top, there's only one figure that's actually holding the uh, object that they correspond with. And the three other figures, the object is just floating in the air. Or down below, you're seeing uh, the, the cup floating. Yes. <laughs> and then all of the other <laughs> figures are actually holding the thing. That pretty bad cup bearer. Aren't you supposed <laughs> to be holding your cup? <laughs> right, right. That's Very funny. cool. I love this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just wanted to make the connection. I think it's a pretty strong one. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for joining me. I don't really have anything else to add if, if you want to add anything and why or Mario, but yeah. No, I just was surprised how much it resembles Taro. Right. Know, I was just like, <laughs> these are playing cards. I never will see it the same way again. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. No, I think I'm pretty good. I, I, uh, I got around to, I think all of my notes here, awesome. but like I said, uh, I thank you just for the introduction. Yeah. And uh, it's something that I'm going to kind of pay attention to and, and probably look into a little bit more. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to tell people again quickly where they can find you and find out more about you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, symbolicstudies.com is the place to go to. I have uh, an online shop. So if you wanted to book a tarot reading or if you wanted, uh, I have digital downloads to a study packet. I have a few other things as well. I've got uh, prints and, and whatnot, but um, it's all available on my store. And then uh, I would say, too, if people are on Instagram, check me out there, symbolic.studies. And, of course, uh, here on YouTube as well. All right. Awesome. And and why I think everyone knows yes. where to find you. Yes. <laughs> but thank you for joining me for this, of course. <laughs> and, yeah, that's the end of another Spiritual Gangsters. So we'll see everybody in the next one. <laughs>